Welcome to the Pretty Happy Podcast. My name is Sam. And I'm Sarah, and we're the parents of Zoe, a child with Rett Syndrome. And welcome to this episode number nine. We're on number nine. Almost into double digits. I know. Well, I mean, if you put a zero in front of the nine, that's double digits. (laughs) That does not count. (laughs) (laughs) Why doesn't it? If you count the trailer, it's double digits. (laughs) I guess. I guess it is. <laughs> it totally works. I still like mine. Because you could add actually two zeros to the front. And we're at triple digits. No. No, no. No, you could. <laughs> but we don't. So. I'm saying that we could. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm saying that we could. Okay, fine. We could. We could. <sighs> How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah? Yeah. You sound very peppy. Oh, do I? Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, the children are all in bed, and I actually do have a little bit of energy, which <laughs> does not generally happen at this point. She's dancing right now. <laughs> it does not generally happen at this point. So after the kids are in bed, I usually just want to lay on the couch and not do anything. Yeah. But I actually do have a little bit of energy. Yeah. I don't think we've ever shared that we record these at night. After our children have gone to sleep, uh, because we're too cheap to get a babysitter. That's a yeah, yeah, fair, very yes. fair. Yes, yep. it is. And uh, so, yeah, that's what Sarah's talking about. And so, right now, it is actually eight forty in the evening. That is almost past our bedtime. It's almost past my bedtime. I was I was trying to save face for you, but <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> fine. Yeah, it is. It's almost past my bedtime. You're the one that stays up ridiculously late. Oh, well, yeah, sometimes I regret it. Sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I say we go ahead and jump into our segment. And it is time for a Tech Tuesday. Tech Tuesday. It is time for a Tech Tuesday. We have not done a Tech Tuesday for a long time. Yes. I'm really excited about this. Because I, we heard some feedbacks from some families who decided to get smart speakers. Yes. And uh, one in particular told me that they were kind of nervous about the privacy on it, which I totally understand. Um, but for anybody who is thinking about getting one or whatnot, I'm going to share with you some of the stuff that we're doing in our home that makes our lives a little bit easier. It makes Zoe's life. I think she likes having it. It, it provides some benefit and enjoyment for her. Yes? Yes. No? I think so. <laughs> okay. I, I just didn't want to be alone on that island <laughs> <laughs> where I just keep buying stuff off Amazon that we don't actually need and it doesn't actually benefit Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for those of you that don't know, uh, Smart Speaker is a speaker that has a virtual assistant that's inside of it. And there are many different types of smart speakers. The two most common are manufactured by Amazon, and their uh, it's their Echo line. And then Google, they have their Nest line of smart speakers. There is also one for families who are really big into the Apple ecosystem. You can get what's called a HomePod and has Siri in it. So those are the the three big ones, though. Okay, and. What? I was just wondering if ours was on or not. (laughs) 
Sarah perked up for a second. I was really confused what she was talking about. And she, so she's saying that, so we've got a smart speaker that's actually here in the office where we record this. And so I think she's a preemptively expecting me to say the trigger word yes, to I turn was. it on. I was. I'm not going to. Okay, good. I'm not going to use trigger words. Okay, you freaked me out for a I'm hot sorry. second there. I was I'm really sorry. confused. <laughs> so next time use your words because I thought there was somebody <laughs> standing behind me. And I was like, oh no. I'm sorry. I did not mean to scare you. This is the end. Okay. So um, what we do, so in our home, we have both um, Echo devices and we have Google devices. And what we've gone in, in and set up are some different routines that allow us to have different things happen in our home. So let me give you one example. We have one in our bathroom. We have a, a, a Google device in our bathroom that when it's time to start getting the kids ready um, for bed, uh, we can go in there and we can tell it it's bath time. And it starts playing some of our kids' favorite music. Right now, it's mainly just the Wiggles, which probably need to look at changing that because I'm starting to get annoyed with it. <laughs> I every, like them. They're good. They're good. But here's the thing. You hear the same songs over and over again every day. You get really tired of it. So you just got to switch it up. Oh, do you? Yes. Oh, do you? I'm, Frozen, Trolls. I'm. You don't play the same ones every single day. Well, I, I take that back. You don't play it every single day for a month straight you throw in some mary poppins returns in okay there. that's fair yeah greatest you, showman greatest show i haven't had the greatest showman in like a couple days i think it's because i've been playing it while you're gone oh well so we rotate we're getting off off topic. sorry let's get back to the main subject the important stuff tech tuesday sorry okay? sorry so the way that you can set that up is when you get your uh, Google device, you actually have to install the Google Home app onto your phone. Using the Google Home app, you set up the device and then it gives you an option to set up these routines. And routines can do a whole bunch of different stuff. You can have the device say uh, something to you. It can respond to you. Um, you can have it control devices in your home. It can turn down the volume automatically. And the routines allow you to set up multiple of those items to happen sequentially, all right? So for example, for bath time, I tell it that it's bath time and it says, okay, let's take a bath. And then it will start playing music. And then it also, because we have some other things set up in our home, it will dim the lights in the hallway. So it just kind of indicates to the kids it's starting to get a little bit later. Uh, oh, and it also turns on the light in the kid's bedroom as well to a warm glow uh, so that way it's not a bright white when they go in all of this is not necessary like necessary this is just fun stuff at this point um but it's it's really nice to have the music playing um, especially since zoe loves music so much it's really great to have her come into the bathroom she has her music playing she can enjoy that we put her in the bathtub we get her bathed and she's it's an enjoyable experience for her so the other thing that we've set up uh, in the kid's bedroom, we have two other routines set up in there. So that way, um, during nap time and bedtime, different things happen um, to help the kids go to sleep. So one of the really nice things about uh, pretty much any smart speaker is that it has the ability to play sleep noises. And I know for a lot of people, having some noise in the background is essential to help you sleep. 
Well, they've built that into those systems for the Amazon Echoes and for the uh, Google Home Nest devices. They keep changing the name, so I, I don't know what they're calling it now. But um, we have it set up. So at bedtime or at nap time, we tell the device that it's bedtime or that it's nap time and tells the kids uh, good night. It dims some lights and then it will actually start playing some uh, sounds in the background for the kids. And um, it kind of drowns out what we're doing because usually at that point we're cleaning up the, the mess from the day, getting the kitchen taken care of, vacuuming, doing some stuff that's kind of loud and that way it's not distracting to them and they can hopefully go to sleep. Now one of the really cool things that Google has just introduced is that for devices, specifically lights, you can actually schedule them to go off. So if you have a smart light bulb or if you have a smart switch or something like that, you can actually tell your Google device to turn it off in a certain amount of time. So turn it off in three minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it is. And so we've actually added that into our bedtime routines as well. So we'll say it's time to go to sleep, dims the lights in the room, and then it also sets up a timer to turn off the lights in like three minutes or something like that, which it's just kind of convenient. You don't need it, but it's nice. <laughs> yes, it is. You sure? You yes. don't sound very convinced. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am. I am convinced now. I am convinced now. It, it took a little coaxing. That's for sure. It did. I'm one of those people that think the robots are going to take over the world. Like an iRobot. Yes. <laughs> Yes. The, <laughs> the self-driving cars are going to drive us all off a bridge one day. That is like my, I don't trust it. You really, yeah, she genuinely believes that that will become I don't a reality. Okay. I just, I don't know if I'm really that far, <laughs> but I don't, I don't 100%. I'm not 100%, but I do like the convenience of the devices and yeah. the lights. I don't have to worry about the lights and the music is great. And yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, and then the other great thing, and we did this today, I think it was, uh, when I went and got the kids up, Sarah went downstairs, she's making breakfast. I'm getting kids all dressed and whatnot for the day. And I started playing music on the speaker in the kids room, which, you know, as we've mentioned many, many times, Zoe is, she absolutely loves music. Uh, it has to be the type of music she wants to listen to, but she loves music. And so I started playing some music and she was real happy with it and she was enjoying it. And um, so I wanted to continue that downstairs, taking the kids out of the bedroom downstairs. I wanted her to continue to enjoy the music and be happy and whatnot. So I was able to go into the Google Home app and you can actually go in there to the media settings and check a, a, a little button there so it starts playing that same music you had on one speaker in a different room. And so it's real convenient because you can choose if you want it playing in every single room of your house or on every single speaker of your house or do you just want it on a couple. And so I just checked it for the basement and we got down there and I put Zoe down and she was happy. She was happy and she was content and she enjoyed listening to her music while we fed her breakfast and we had a good time with it. So anyways, there's some other fun stuff that you can do um, with tech stuff. And uh, let me know if you have any questions 
about specifically how you can set all this stuff up. By the way, for your Amazon Echo devices, you can do all the stuff that I just mentioned for Google on Amazon as well. It's also called routines. You can have it say things, you can have it play music, you can have it answer questions, all sorts of stuff. Welcome back, everybody. We are so excited to have with us today the co-founders of the Giselle Lauren Foundation, and they're located out in Tennessee, Bailey and Jill. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. How are you two doing? So excited to be here. Yeah, we're just so excited to join you guys today. We're doing really well. So thank you so much for coming on. And uh, let's go ahead and just get started talking about the uh, the star of the show, your daughter, Giselle. Tell us about Giselle. How old is she? And uh, when did you guys receive your diagnosis? Yeah, so Giselle turned six in September. She just started kindergarten. Um, we didn't receive our diagnosis till she was almost four. But starting at 10 months, she kind of stopped progressing on the normal development timeline. Um, so she could sit, but she wasn't super steady. Um, but she never came to sit. She never started crawling. She's never, you know, walked without assistance. Um, so it's just kind of been a long journey and, you know, not knowing what was going on and her being our first child was just kind of hard. Yeah. In the early stages, you know, we were doing uh, physical therapy, speech, we're doing all these therapies and we were looking for a cause of what the delays were. Right. So we were visiting specialists here at Vanderbilt and, you know, ranging from, you know, tumors, all kind of things we were looking for, right? And it probably took us two, three years, two or three years before, you know, we heard RETS and really learned about RETS. And, and got a genetic test. And like one doctor test. wanted to like diagnose her in clinic and we were like, no, we want the facts. Like, <laughs> like I want to see it on paper. Um, so it, it was just a journey. Like, and I think, I spent that whole time grieving because it's your first child and you're like, well, why is my kid not doing what all these other kids are doing? But I don't have any answers, but I'm going to stay hopeful that she's going to get there. Yeah. Um, well, then it's like all the, all the mom guilt hits you, mom and dad guilt yeah. where you're yeah. not doing enough and it's your fault. Too, and, like, oh yeah. Pushing, pushing and pushing. You're like, you can do this. You can do this. Like, I mean, it, it, it wore me out. Not, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to say that it was bad because I feel like anything you hit in your life, that's a challenge. You just come out on the other side, learning something and being a stronger person. Um, but I definitely remember the days I spent crying and trying to figure out like, why me? Yeah. And, and we also had life come along at the same time, you know, so we had our, uh, found out we we're having our second kid or about the same time as during no, was really like 18 months. Yeah. But, you know, really just a lot going on in that time period for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, all, it all seems to pile up at a horrible time because that's <laughs> how it was for us yep. too. But and, I mean, uh, it's like the good news of all of it is like, it definitely changed my perspective on how I look at life yeah. and things that I thought 
would be important at the age I'm at aren't really important anymore. Absolutely. And I mean, for me, I always wanted to at some point continue my career. And here I am taking a, not a step back, but changing it and running the foundation and yeah, doing something I thought I'd never be capable of doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I would add too to that. You, know, you said it well, you called her a star. I think that's the best way to describe her everywhere. Everybody she comes in contact with, right. She lights up their life and uh, she's just a joy to be around. And yes, it's really hard. There's a lot of things that come with being a red parent, but it comes with a lot of reward and we've really enjoyed the journey after we've gotten through grieving. We've really yeah. uh, appreciated all that she brings to the table because she really does. I was at a birthday party today and, you know, a little kid runs up and is, you know, dying to see Giselle and it just it warms your heart. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, how did the two of you feel when you finally got your official diagnosis? The results come back. You've been going through this journey for three years at this point. What are what are your thoughts and feelings? I mean, it was a little bit of a letdown because, you know, you read about rats and, you know, not having use of their hands and like, we don't know if she's going to ever walk and all of that because, you know, you try to stay positive and hopeful and I still am like nobody's told me she's not going to walk. So we continue to work on it every day. Um, but you know, you never, I never wanted her to be labeled. I never wanted her to be put in a box. I I mean, I think some people get comfort from a diagnosis. I think I had the opposite effect because it meant that she had a label the rest of her life. Yeah. I think it, for us, it, it just meant uh, that some of that hope that maybe she was going to do some of the uh, more normal things that kind of closed that for us. And so it took us a while to kind of accept that and then kind of move forward. I think that was because we didn't know what was wrong. I think we were still pushing and fighting, hoping, um, you know, for a different result. But, you know, once we got through it, I think we, uh, we've come a long ways from when we re- originally got our diagnosis for sure. Yeah. I, I, I love how you uh, say Jill that you didn't want to label for her. Cause I hadn't ever really thought about, uh, about that being an issue. Uh, I mean, I'm still kind of really like protective of it. Like, yeah. I didn't necessarily trust school with her diagnosis. So I kept it to myself for a long time and I wasn't very vocal about it. Not that I was embarrassed about it because I'm not, but I never wanted someone to put her in a box and say she could or could not do yeah. something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And she's a smart little cookie. So she, you know, she can you, manipulate with you the give best her support, of you know, right. And if you give her support, she'll take it. So, yeah. And I've found myself doing too as well. You're saying, well, she can't do that. So I'm going to make it easier for her. So mm-hmm. there's certain parts of it where um, we're able to push her if we, if we, if we try. And I've laxed a lot about it. Like I think two years ago, like I would not be having this conversation with you because it's putting it out there that she it has Rett syndrome. Um, but now we're, you know, the school she's at's amazing. And you know, giving them the information on what Rett syndrome is, is more beneficial to her than me holding it back yeah. at yeah. this point. Cause you're right that as soon as somebody hears that an individual has autism or they have down syndrome or Rett syndrome, all of a sudden there's this, this perception. Uh, a, yeah. Yeah. A stamp, uh, a, it, you fit in this mold and that's yes, all you can do. It's for them the rest of their life. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Rett syndrome. Like, yeah. And, and, and we know, um, all of us here know that uh, all of the kids who have, all the individuals who have been diagnosed with Rett syndrome, 
it, it is a massive spectrum of individuals with their oh, abilities. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're um, a family that we spoke to uh, a couple of weeks ago. Their daughter, she she has uh, decent fine motor skills with her hands, but she cannot walk. Whereas Zoe, she she can walk, but don't even think of asking her to do anything with her hands. It's so um, vast, this spectrum. And you're right. As soon as you do say what something is about your child, people immediately begin thinking, oh, well, they can't or they can. And making these assumptions as opposed to trying to get to know the individual. And being nonverbal. Just because she can't talk doesn't mean she's not taking it all in and understanding what she's Uh saying. But the minute you tell somebody she's nonverbal, like, I'm sure the thought goes through their mind, well, can they understand what I'm saying? Yeah. like she's capable of learning to her peers and she knows what's going on and she laughs when she thinks something's funny mm-hmm. um, for, for the past several months i've i've had this thought come to me um I, I don't think it's used like at all anymore but it used to be that um, somebody who was mute they were called dumb and i almost wonder even though that's not in the nomenclature now i wonder if the perception has carried over that if somebody can't speak, therefore they are unintelligent. And for at least Zoe and what it sounds like for Giselle as well, they're there. They are taking it yeah. in. They respond to it. Yeah. Yeah. And so this, I, I think, I think it's just kind of ingrained in us well, see, for it generations. Makes, it makes me think of, you know, you've got individuals who are deaf and so they can't hear and they can't speak. So for me, when, when somebody says they're nonverbal, mm-hmm. my brain goes back to they're deaf, they can't hear me. Yeah. So they must not understand what all is going right. on around them. And so I wonder like, if maybe that's part of it too. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that's true. You know, you, I'm sure it's changed and I'm being probably a little harsh in that assumption, but I always like, I always catch myself saying like she's nonverbal, but she knows exactly what's going on and she understands everything you're saying. Like I preface that with like anybody, like I did it with the neighbors the other day, you know, yeah. like we have new neighbors and I'm like, Giselle's nonverbal, but she knows what's going on. If you want to like give your other kids the heads up because it is different. Um, well, I think just, that's important. I think that's important to point out to other people because they may not automatically make that connection. Or I always reference the girl in Florida who has Rett syndrome, but is in college. Like, I think that's huge. Like, I, I want that for my daughter. Yeah. We, we just uh, met somebody, well, not met somebody, but um, through social media, we found out about this girl who is, who has Rett syndrome and she's a food blogger. Oh, how cool is that? I'm like... Yeah. Would, this is amazing. Can highlight all of that more and more. Some of these organizations can highlight that more because that's huge. Like yeah. why can't we strive in society for our kids to be that great? Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Agree. I mean, if I had found that kind of stuff when we first got our diagnosis, it wouldn't have been so hard or no. scary. Uh-huh. No, it would have given me so much more hope. Yeah. Because I think when you get that diagnosis, you're like, Oh my gosh, like, this is like their life. They can't live on their own. They can't live their own life. Like, what does this mean for whatever hope you had for this child when it was born? Yeah. When you, when you Google and you get, you hear, learn of the word rats and you Google it, certainly that those are what, what popped up. I remember doing that the first time I heard of it and reading and 
and really picturing all the negatives, not the positives, mm-hmm. right? I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you feel so isolated and alone. Uh, oh, yeah, because, like, I don't know anybody. I mean, not now, but, like, when I got the diagnosis, yeah. I didn't know anybody else with Rett syndrome, and I wasn't ready to, like, talk to anybody else with Rett syndrome. No. I had to, like, process this on my own, go through the seven steps of grieving on my own to get to the point where I am today where I'm having conversations with you all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was hard for me. I know not everybody's like that, but it was really hard for me. Oh yeah. Well, we've, we've shared this and my reaction after we got the clinical diagnosis, um, we, the hospital we went to was right near my work. And so I got dropped off back at work and I immediately walked into a restroom, locked the door and I, fell to the ground and I, I sobbed. And then yeah. I tried going back to my office after about 10 minutes of having a good cry. And I had to lock my door and just cry some more. And I was like, yeah, this isn't happening today. I <laughs> and- think I cried so much up to that point that when we got the diagnosis, I was like, okay, we're just going to like move forward. Yeah. Like I all cried out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly how I felt because we got the call and I felt so bad for, for the, the nurse who was doing it, but we were just like, okay, cool. Like, thanks for letting us know. Okay. I mean, nothing you want, but you've got an answer now. And all right, how do we move forward? So. I mean, I think a big thing in life I learned through all of this was like, I can either sit and wallow in my, my sadness, right. And what I don't have, or I can pick myself up every day and be on this journey and look for the positives and do good and be happy in life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so obviously one of the things that you all have decided to do is create a foundation, the Giselle Lauren Foundation. How did that come about? And and uh, what is it that uh, your mission is? And who are you helping? Yeah, so um, we started back in February of 2019. And it was basically an idea Bailey brought to the table about starting golf's a big thing in our family. Like both of our dads play golf. Bailey loves golf. I grew up playing golf. It's just like part of our family. And so he wanted to do this golf tournament to bring friends and family together to kind of celebrate Giselle and her smile and call it Scramble for Smiles um, to kind of memorialize her, you know, and have her that be her legacy in life. Um, and then it just kind of turned into incorporating and starting a yeah. foundation and um, having our first golf tournament. And then in, like we're just finishing up like year two. And for two years in a row, we've raised like $40,000 in just pure donations. Um, last year, we were able to grant out almost $40,000 and help, you know, two red organizations, one organization in Middle Tennessee and 12 families. Um, so. Yeah, and it really, it started, as she said, about uh, our, our enjoyment of golf and then celebrating Giselle. I really wanted to have a day to really celebrate her. She brings so much joy to our life. We just wanted to kind of spread that. And I'll be honest, we didn't even know what a foundation was no. when we started. We were just like- I mean, we both have like CPAs. Like we've worked in like accounting finance our whole careers. But, like, you know, what does a foundation mean? We didn't know. And we you know, spent a lot of time researching what what does setting up a foundation mean? Uh, what does tax status mean? You know, all those kind of things and settled on this. And as Jill said, it's really turned into something that we've really enjoyed where we've had two events uh, we lim- we don't limit ourselves to a certain diagnosis. We we really just want to help anybody that needs help, right? right? We like for us, like it's just it's regardless of your diagnosis, having a kid with special needs is hard. And like I don't know what it's like to have a child with autism 
and they probably don't know what it's like to have a child with rats, but we're all in the same situation. Like financially and mentally, it's hard to have a kid with needs. And we've been pretty lucky compared to some others to be able to do what we can do for Giselle from a financial standpoint. And so we don't want others to have to feel that way. We want to build kind of like a community of support, you know. Yeah, we, we really don't want any kid not to get to their highest potential because they can't afford to you know, right. do that extra week of physical therapy or speech therapy or whatever. Because we know whether you've got good insurance or not, whether it just takes a lot of resources to really put these kids and get in a situation to achieve their highest potential. And that's really what, what, what we're aiming for. And we've really uh, enjoyed that journey um, to do that. And it's been really been a blast for us. So probably more rewarding for us than we ever thought. And we've just uh, really enjoyed seeing it grow. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's one thing you don't realize when you first have a, a child or re- receive your diagnosis for your child with special needs is the amount of cost that goes into it. There's all of these little things that begin to add up. Um, it, it's these little expenses that you're like, Oh, okay. I mean, it, it's going to make us tight uh, on our budget, but we'll, we'll make do until all of a sudden you're 50, 60, $70,000 down the road. And you're like, how, how am I going to do this? And yeah. I, I think it's incredibly admirable. Um, what you guys are wanting to do. Um, I saw on your Instagram that you had a a family, I believe it was in India, who you were able to uh, provide some support with a Toby. Is that right? Yes. So like last year when we started, we were like, okay, we have enough money that we can grant out. And like, we're like, well, we'll just get like one person. Like we can just grant one person. Like that's a start. Like let's start the journey and the story. Um, so we work through a red organization, which is all's communication device. And I was like reaching out to our, like I call her therapist, but she's not really a therapist, um, or person and she's consultant mm-hmm. and she said, and I'm like, do you know anybody who like needs financial help? Like let them know that we have this money. Like we want to give money away and help do whatever. And so she worked the little girl in India and her mom applied, um, you know, and was one of the 12 families that we helped. Yeah, and I think it's really hard to get a, she a is device the first, in Yeah, India, she has the first so. device in India, um, like an eye gaze device. Holy cow. I so, did not incredible. realize that. Congratulations to yeah. not only them, so, but your foundation. That is an incredible and, accompaniment. And they were the, the most wonderful people ever. Oh, they were right? amazing. So they, and they were another Rhett family. And so. And it was, you know, really expensive. I mean, to your point, it was you know, multiple thousand dollars to do yeah. that for them. And, and it was a refurbished like, one. Right? Yeah, and we had to figure out like how, the cost for her right. to get a Toby, like a brand new one in India was absurd. Like double, triple the cost of what it is here. Oh my gosh. Um, so it was pretty neat though. It we, was we, pretty we, fulfilling we, to yeah. do that. And I didn't think anyone thought that we would be going global on year one of this. Yeah, I mean, our, to, to <laughs> yeah. be truthful, our goal was to, make enough money to cover just basic expenses of, of a foundation. Yeah. Right? That was so our then, year one goal. Like, yeah. The golf tournament and incorporating and whatever cost us $5,000, we just hope to like raise $5,000, but to the generosity of like our supporters and friends and family, like we were able to do so much more. Yeah. Well, so I noticed on your website that you guys still have the golf tournament listed as one of your events that you do. Yeah. Um, do you have another event that's that's upcoming either this year or next year? 
we're working on it. So we did the golf tournament for two years in a row. We're obviously going to do that again this uh-huh. year. It will be August. So August 9th is a plug. Keep <laughs> our social media person that because we just so. kind of lose <laughs> the excitement, but whatever. Um, we want to do another event in Q2. We just don't know what that looks like. Um, we always coincide the golf tournament with like a family celebration where we can gather as friends and family and bring the kids along and have a fun family event. Um, so I think we're going to break that out and do that in the summer as well as try to have another fundraising event. Um, it's hard because we are in middle Tennessee, so not everybody's going to be able to join. And, you know, with COVID, we still don't know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're working through that. So stay tuned if anybody's interested. Absolutely. And and oh, all that information can be found on your website, right? Yes. Anything Yes. And um, it's all on our social media at the Giselle Lauren Foundation on both Facebook and um, Instagram. We try to keep up with that pretty regularly. And then we try to send out a monthly newsletter, which you can sign up right from our website um, to get subscribed to that. Yeah, and I, you know, we talked about uh, in general growing our foundation. It's you know two part, right? We're trying to raise awareness and and uh, for fundraising purposes, but we're also trying to connect to families that need help, right? Yeah. So we, and I know when we started, we weren't really thinking about how are we going to connect with those that need to tap into our resources. So uh, I think we've also got to work aggressively to to reach those families so that we know they know we're there, we're we're here. I mean, well, yeah, like that's we're another here to support effort. and help and like. Yeah. Have funds to give yeah. through a grant process every year, hopefully. Most definitely. Well, so what is the foundation's uh, future goals? What's the next five years going to look like for the foundation? What are you hoping to accomplish? I mean, we're just hoping to grow as much as we can. Like, if it becomes a foundation that we have paid people working it, that would be amazing. Um, even one paid employee, because that means we've we've grown enough to support an actual working organization, right? Yeah. Um, and just help as many families as we can. Like, I think my biggest goal with it is just to grow it as big as I can, make a name for itself where we can help as many families as we can and have this like huge established grant process. We're still so young. I don't want to say that we have like a strong strategic plan right now. We're just kind of like trying to figure out how to do this, but um, we've been really blessed in two years to be able to do what we've done and raise the funds that we've raised. And maybe even to take your question a little farther out, I think there's a part of us that would really like this to be Giselle's legacy, whether it's our children take it beyond us or farther. We, you know, we'd love to make it something that has staying power, right? Yeah, so it, it takes a lot of energy that. for us. It's been exciting for two years, but it takes a lot of energy. We have three kids, right? And uh, I think there's a long-term goal to make this really something that sticks, right? Because I, yeah. I think it would be easy to get caught up in the rest of our life and not continue to, to work this foundation and try to grow it. So I think there's a part of us that really just wants this thing to be around for our children maybe to run one day so that they can continue to, to bring that legacy for Giselle into the future too. Most definitely. Yeah. Well, cause, um, and, and, and I don't want this to come across as me knocking anybody who's ever done a fundraising event because doing a fundraising event is, is incredibly hard. 
and it's incredibly admirable, but creating a foundation that can persist beyond an individual that can go on and have this legacy. That is so hard to do because so much energy. Yeah. I, and there's so much, there's so much more legal paperwork you have to deal with as well <laughs> because you have a, you have a, a business, you have a nonprofit business that you're running. Um, it's, it's so much work. It is so much work. So, um, it is, it is very awesome to see, uh, all the work that you guys are doing. And I really hope that, uh, things just continue to grow for you because obviously there are people who need help. You've been able to provide that for many, many individuals so far. And, uh, hopefully we can, uh, we can get some more people to come and support you guys. Uh, where can everybody find you at along with your website? Where else can they find information about you? Um, social media and our website are probably our biggest two places for anybody to find all the basic information. Um, if anyone ever has any questions, you can always email us at hello at the Giselle Lauren foundation.org. Um, we're located in middle Tennessee, but that doesn't mean we just support those in middle Tennessee. Um, I think that's, you know, people's biggest question. I think the other question people have is like this, that we don't take anything from the foundation at this point. We don't plan to. Um, it's all whatever we get, we give to others. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Jill and Bailey Pratt from the Giselle Foundation. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And everybody, please go check out their website, check out their socials and find out more information about them. I had such a great time chatting with Jill and Bailey. They are awesome. Their foundation is great. I mean, it's incredible what they've done in just two years. I know. Yeah. It's a lot of work to not only fundraise uh, for a, a cause or an event or something like that, but to decide that you want to create a foundation, something that can continue mm-hmm. for a long, long time, hopefully. And all I, the networking that goes into that. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So uh, definitely go and check them out. You guys, uh, they've got a couple of different social medias on Facebook, on Instagram, the Giselle Lauren foundation, their website, the Giselle Lauren foundation.org has all the information there. And in fact, you can even donate on their website. So if you're wanting to give to them, it's obviously a great cause. They're dedicated and they're passionate about it and they're planning to Uh, do as much as possible to grow this organization. If you want to be part of it, go and check out their website and see what you can do to uh, support them. Or if you're looking for help, if you are an individual, a family that is needing financial support, reach out to them. Yes. And if you know anybody who needs it, (laughs) or if you know anybody who can give. Yes. Look, there's really not a reason any of us should not be sharing this information. (laughs) Yep. Send it their way. Absolutely. Definitely send it out. All right, Sarah, it is time for Can't Leave It. What can you not leave? My mom uniform. What? (laughs) I've decided that's what I'm going to call it. I've pretty much the past month been wearing joggers and a (laughs) t-shirt. Different joggers, real fuzzy joggers, uh-huh. not so fuzzy joggers, yep. sweat-like joggers, yep. like uh, exercise material type joggers. <laughs> so comfortable. I bought a like six pack of um, Hanes V-neck men's shirts oh, that wow. I have been pairing with them. 
it is the most comfortable I think I've ever been in my adult life. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, I laugh, but I think it's mainly because of what I've been wearing for the past month, <laughs> <laughs> which has been sweatshirts and sweatpants and, uh, <laughs> and slippers. Yeah. Granted, I, I, when I go to work, that's not what I'm wearing, but. Well, and I've, I was going to say, obviously when I go out, that's not what I wear, but half the time that is what I wear. Yeah. Half the time it is. <laughs> when I go to doctor's appointments, that is you not what up. I wear. I change into my jeans. I do. I dress up. <laughs> my my V-neck oh. t-shirt stays, but my jeans and my yeah. joggers switch the out. The pants change. Yes. Okay. Apparently, right. jeans are more professional than joggers. Apparently. I mean, yeah. to each their own. I, I wouldn't know because I don't have a pair of joggers. Well, so. I will get you. No, nope, no. Nope. I'm fine with my sweats. <laughs> I'm fine with my sweat. Sam, so. what can't you leave? So I'm actually going to do a plug for something that one of my sisters is doing. And her name is Annie. And Annie is creating a podcast. She had a New Year's resolution to put together a podcast, something that she's wanted to do for a while. And she is Disney obsessed. So she is doing a Disney podcast. And she's doing such an awesome job with it. So... If you're looking for a little taste of Disney and you're wanting to hear some people's stories about their experiences with Disney, her podcast is called A Churro for Your Thoughts. And it's on Anchor. It's on iTunes. It's on Google Podcasts. It's it's on everything that... People listen to. Well, that we're on too. Yeah. So anyways, if you're looking for a fun little podcast and she only puts out uh, two episodes a month, kind of like us, uh, go and check her out and you can find out more information there. Sarah, are you wanting to say something about that? I am. <laughs> um, I Why? am not, I am not the biggest Disney fan. No, you aren't. Um, well, not Disney. I love Disney. I'm not the biggest Disneyland, Disney World fan, but I did listen to her podcast and I did tear up a little bit a couple of times. Even though I am not the biggest fan of going to Disneyland. So you're recommending it. I am. Even though you don't like it. No, I like the podcast. Okay. The place. I'm not the biggest fan (laughs) of the place. They do a lot of good things. I just... It's not your cup of tea. It's not my cup of tea. (laughs) But... I did have an emotional reaction listening to her podcast. That was the point. So that should tell you how good it is if Sarah, a Disney hating. I do not hate Disney. I love Disney. (laughs) All right. And with that, thank you for joining us for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so that you are notified when we publish episodes, which is every other Monday morning. And please leave us a rating. Leave us a message or a question on the Anchor app and you can become part of the show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pretty Happy Pod, where we share episode clips, news and updates, and photos of our adorable daughter. If you would like to be interviewed on our show, reach out to us on any of our social media accounts or send us an email at prettyhappypod at gmail.com. 
For more information about Rett Syndrome, visit rettsyndrome.org.